Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Our scripture this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 24 to 28. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes comes judgment, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. So every once in a while, uh, Justin and I, we find ourselves watching reality TV, uh, specifically the, the shows that are about cleaning up messes. Hoarders, there's one called Dirty Rotten Cleaners, and there's others out there. Me, personally, I, I enjoy those shows in the sense of, like, rooting for the people. Uh, I take enjoyment, like, seeing the revival. If there's, like, a, whether it's a house or a business or whatever the case may be, if there's a, a dirty situation and it gets cleaned up, that experience of revival, I, I like that. I like the stories of, of compassion that normally go with, with some of these, these shows. There, there is a human element there that, you know, the... The, the cleaners, sometimes they bring in like a psychiatrist or whoever, a, a specialist, just to encourage them, hey, the removal of your crud is going to give you a better life. If you get cleaned up, you're going to be able to enjoy your space better. You're going, you know, life is going to be good. There, there's good news here as we, as we get things cleaned up. And I go, hmm, that's... It reminds me of something. There, there's certain angles of, of the gospel that kind of come out through through some of these uh, through some of these stories. The Bible teaches us that that sin is is ugly. That evil ruins things. It distorts us. We get mixed up, messed up. Dirt is 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 one of the words I'll, I'll use here in this sermon today. Both inside and out, we just get tangled up in stuff. And we have, we have all kinds of dirt in our, our lives, in our relationships, in our hearts. And you know, I, I believe you know, God's original design for us didn't dabble with vocabulary about purity and, and being clean and things like that. That's because we, we didn't need it. We, were already, we already had that. We, we had rightness with God in, in the beginning. You know, just as you can't fill a cup that's already full or that... Maybe to borrow from Seinfeld real quick. You can't over-wet something. You can't over-dry something that is dry. You, you can't clean something that is already clean. You know, the, the Creator made us good. The Creator made good things. But sin has messed things up. Now, I just want to share with you, as I continue to try to embrace and believe the gospel, the good news, as, as I accept that it's it's the purity of, of Jesus. That's, that's my victory. You know, Jesus makes me 
pure. As I as I try to believe that, you know, um, you know that, that's my testimony. Um, Jesus has taken my dirt and He has made me clean. He's taken my my hurts and He has made me whole. You know, it's it's the it's the gospel testimony in, in one sentence. You know, I, I try to believe that more and more each day. I do believe it. Yet, let me tell you, there are days where it feels like I'm plagued. I just feel not good. And I'm not talking about having bad days. You know, we're humans and we have bad days. There's, there's space to have bad days. I'm not talking about that. But more of like this more profound, like, ooh, I'm not, I'm not well. Something's off. I feel dirty. I feel messed up. And then it's like, Pastor Cam, you believe the gospel. Why are you feeling unworthy here? And the short answer is, there's this insidious unbelief in the dark corners of who I am, you know, that, that take root there. And perhaps I believe a, a small, truncated gospel that was enough to get me into heaven. But you know what? I want good news for all of my life, okay? You know, I've been walking with Jesus for, for many years now, and there's still days I feel like trash, okay? There has to be good news to speak to that. I believe that the gospel is big enough to speak to all areas of our life. So I warmly invite you to journey with me as I'm still growing and learning. I invite you to join me over the next couple of weeks. We are going to consider the good news of Jesus, the, the gospel, from a few different perspectives. We're going to talk about the power of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. Today, we'll look at uh, the gospel through the perspective of, of presence and purity, those two themes there. And then, um, in a couple Sundays, it's going to be Easter. And, and we're, we're driving towards Easter together here. We're going to do communion, Lord willing, on Easter. And, and we're going to take all of these themes over the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, and it's going to build up to our Resurrection Celebration Sunday. So as we get started here, I would like to consider... God's presence. That's where I would like to, to begin. And so to do that, uh, in regard to God's presence, let's go to Genesis, the first book of, of the Bible. The way that I understand it, you know, God makes heaven and earth, and we have two distinct realities. We have earth and heaven, you know, God's space, our space, uh, but also they overlapped a little bit, almost like a Venn diagram. That yes, uh, there, there's there's God's space and our space, but there there seems to be like a togetherness there. And that the garden, again, this is the way that I understand it. The garden was like a heaven and earth temple. God has created His creation, and this is now where He takes His rest. And God's presence is there in the garden. And there's, there's closeness with his humans, intimate uh, intimacy, walking with his humans in the cool of the day. God wants fellowship with, with his humans, relationship with his humans, and the rest of creation. And a word that is uh, associated with God's presence is, is glory. Glory. 
outside of Genesis, like in the Psalms, there's expressions of, of how the, the earth is filled with God's glory. And it's understood that, that God is everywhere. God's out in the forest. God's over the oceans, up in the mountains, at the beach, in our homes. God is everywhere. The earth is filled with God's glory. If God's presence is there, God's glory is there. Let's tune that up a little bit more. What is glory? The Hebrew word is kavod. In English, usually translated as glory, but literally it means like heaviness or weight. It, it indicates, okay, there's worth and there's value, and the natural outcome is to worship. Okay? When you describe something as glorious, a natural outcome is, well, you, you kind of you need to praise it. You kind of need to worship it a little bit. All right? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a car guy, but I imagine like a really nice car. Cherry red Lamborghini or whatever is the car that, that does it for you. It's like that's a glorious car. And you kind of want to praise it a little bit. It's a natural outcome. Okay, there, there's a heaviness there. In Isaiah chapter 6, these creatures called seraphim, they're praising God. They're calling back to one another. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is, uh, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. They're singing that back and forth. And that takes place in in the temple, as Isaiah has this, this vision that God gives him. God's presence is holy. It's a holy presence. God's glory fills the earth. I just want you to get this in your head. God's presence and holiness and, and his, his, uh, his glory is all over the place. But then, sin just ruins everything. Okay, we rejected God. As the Bible teaches us, we, we chose self-rule. Rebellion. We decided to go after disorder and chaos. But the good news is, God still remains in control. God is ruler of heaven and earth. But now sin, this, this new reality, kind of ushers in something that's similar to divorce. For those who have walked that path, you know how hard that hurts. There's a relational, spiritual, moral disconnect between heaven and earth, you know, outside and inside. We're, we're struggling now. Okay, so the bad news is evil ruins things. It makes us dirty. We're messed up. We're all a little messed up, right? The big question then is, okay, how is God going to purify things without, like, destroying us all? And the good news is God provides a way to purify us, to, to reconcile us. Out of all the people groups, we're kind of walking through the Bible quickly here today. Out of all the people groups, God graciously elects Israel, okay? They are to be a conduit of blessing to the nations from which they are separated. And God instructs them, he says, hey, I want you to build this tent, it's called a tabernacle. In Exodus 40, they build this tent, and when at, you know, at the appropriate time, God's presence, the, the glory cloud, the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And this is really good news. It's accurate to say that God is everywhere, but here, 
right here at this specific place, this specific geography where this tent is set up, God is choosing to be with his people. And notice that the tent is filled with God's glory. The weight of his presence it fills the air. That was a tent. Later on, the tabernacle was replaced by the temple. Let's jump all the way to 1 Kings chapter 8. It happens again in the temple. God fills the temple with his glorious presence. Now, God is not confined to a building. He's not confined to the temple. And we know that the temple serves different purposes. But for us today, again, it's the specific presence of God. He's there. And for there to be a holy presence, then there has to be some sort of purification system going on. And we learn about this okay, in the Old Testament. In order to maintain the temple, a solution to the pollution of sin is, is needed. Not going to get into the details, but just really oversimplify here. There, there's a sacrificial system that God, God provides much to talk about and explore with that, but essentially a priest would sprinkle blood in the temple. Blood is symbolic here. It represents life. Blood represents life. The sprinkling represents a cleansing. And again, to oversimplify, the priest is like a hygienist here. He's making a clean space. He's separating himself from the people, and he's He's purifying the place. It's, it's symbolic. An animal's life was given to cover, to cover sin. And again, there's so much to explain and, and so much theology and Old Testament to understand with all of this. But the priest is making a clean space. And as the story goes, Israel ends up looking more like a curse than a blessing. And the prophet, prophet Ezekiel has this fantastic vision in Ezekiel chapter 10, God's presence, God's glory actually just leaves the temple. God's like, I'm out of here, okay? And, and God, God leaves, okay? And actually, shortly after Ezekiel was written, in 2 Kings chapter 25, it's actually how uh, the whole storyline of 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, if that was a movie, this is how the movie ends. Jerusalem is burned to the ground, what doesn't get burned gets blown apart. They break up the bricks, the blocks. The people are exiled. It's like God's presence is gone. The city is smashed. That's how the movie would end if the story ended there. But the movie's not over. There is more. There are prophecies that, that in, throughout the Old Testament that point that, hey, God will come back. And he does. So we get to the New Testament, and this is what we believe, that God arrives in the flesh. It's Christmas, the incarnation. Jesus is born. Jesus is here. God is with us. God is up to something new in a brand new way. And the Gospels show us a God who is present in the person of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He represents God completely. He represents humanity completely. Okay? Jesus is God's space and human space embodied together. That's the way that I like to think about it. And so Jesus is heaven on earth. Wherever Jesus goes, heaven goes. 
Wherever Jesus goes, the rule of God goes as well. Hence, we have a change in vocabulary. We start to talk about the kingdom of God. And Jesus teaches, often through, through parables, this is what it looks like when God rules your life. When God has, has gotten a hold of your, your heart and, and you're, you're making, making changes. And you're seeing, you're seeing good and, and beauty from God's perspective. This is what it looks like when God gets a hold of your heart. And then it's almost like as Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, he also kind of points to himself. John 6, verse 29. You know, believe in the one that the Father has sent. Okay? It's me. It's me, Jesus. Like, the king and the kingdom. Walking together through the pages of the Gospels. Jesus' mission and ministry gets him into trouble. It's the Lenten season, which means we're preparing for Easter. So let's recall the story here. Jesus' ministry ends up leading him to his, his death. We have crucifixion. Good Friday coming up. Jesus is completely innocent. Just gets accused. It's an unjust death. Naked on the cross, his body broken, his blood poured out. The God-man, the, the innocent one. We believe that he was sinless. Alright? As messed up as, as we are, it's like, wow, like, Jesus was sinless. And on the cross, a representation of both heaven and earth is on the cross. And then something happened that no one expected theologically. Jesus becomes the atoning sacrifice. Atone, atonement means to cover. Jesus is the substitute. The substitute. If the, if the wages of sin is, is eventually death, well, Jesus makes that payment. And Jesus shares his execution with all the dirt, all the pollution, all evil and sin. Jesus takes it in within himself. And Jesus dies. His atoning sacrifice, though, and here's some really good news. It's, it was... The sacrifice was enough to break the power of sin and death. All right? and this is what we're preparing to celebrate here in a couple Sundays. Resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave with a new body. And the New Testament calls the resurrected Jesus the first fruit of new creation. How you guys doing? All right. That was a lot. As we prepare for Easter, having considered God's presence and glory and lifeblood and, and purification, now I want us to get into the weeds a little bit. Did a lot of summary and oversimplification to get us to this point. Now let's, let's dip our toes in the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, uh, writing to a Jewish audience, Lays out in chapter 7, 8, 9, and really the whole, the whole book is fantastic. But in Hebrews chapter 7, the author uh, points out that, you know what, the old way, the old system of things never really worked the way that it was supposed to. Alright, we need something better. We need Jesus. We need a new covenant. And so, two important things to, to grab a hold of here in Hebrews is this. Okay, Jesus is a priestly figure. And as a priest, he uses his own blood. 
Check out verses 7. Sorry, chapter 7, verses 25 and 28. Jesus is able. Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Okay, we need to understand that Old Testament background here. This idea of the priest making intercession, making, you know, atonement offerings, etc. He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, Jesus did not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Okay? Jesus is different. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. Jesus has offered himself for you. Okay? Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, he he is alive to intercede for you. Which means Jesus Jesus always has your back. Jesus is for you. You're not on your own. He's in your corner and he's able to save you completely. Does that sound good? We are not alone. Hebrews chapter 8 reminds us, you know, we need a new covenant, and a new covenant was given to us. It's not written on paper or tablets. It wasn't texted to us. Okay, God will imprint his laws on our hearts and minds. God will give us a new heart that is able to respond to to God. We're able to respond back to God in a brand new way. Something that would just be foreign to those Old Testament ancestors of ours. We have a new covenant. God has given us a fresh new heart that is able to soar. Hebrews chapter 9 makes a reference to the physical temple built on earth. So you might think of the, um, in Jerusalem, you know, a temple, etc. Right? In the temple, there was this big old curtain there that separated us from the holy place. God's face, where God was supposed to dwell. Okay? A big old curtain there. You cannot just walk in on God. Okay? In fact, only once a year did a priest go into the holy space to make that that atonement blood offering. Okay? It's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Alright? Now Hebrews 9, starting with verse 11. Hear the gospel. Hear some really good news. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. Like what a priest would do, the priest of heaven and earth, Jesus, he went ahead, he went ahead of the people, on behalf of the people, and he went to the heavenly tabernacle. And as priests, Jesus makes a sacrifice. And this is the, the, the miracle and mystery of the gospel, part of it here, is that Jesus uses his own sinless, perfect blood to make that, that sacrifice. In the old system, it was animal blood. And it was just a temporary cleanliness. Okay? I'm, I'm sinful. An animal is a substitute. I'm right with God. 
at least for a little bit, and then you just have to repeat over and over and over again. But the lifeblood of Jesus is way much better. The blood of God was shed for us. Verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will that cleanse our conscience, our mind, our will, emotions? We get cleaned up. We get cleaned up from acts that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. This isn't bovine blood. This isn't cow blood, animal blood we're talking about. This is the blood of Christ that makes us clean on the inside and out. How many times are you so twisted up in your thoughts or your desires, or like your will, and you're just like, man, I'm in a it's, a, it's that civil war. I'm so twisted up. Jesus is there purifying us. We, we have that for us. His blood has, has been poured out. It's, it's that covering If you want to use the word like paying the price, ransom, that purification is there to set us free. We're not set free just to be blobs. No, we're, we're, we're set free to serve God who is alive. Jumping to verse 24. Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was a copy of the true one. Christ entered heaven himself. Now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way that a priest would do so, you know, entering the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Um, otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. No, that's not the story. Here's the real story. Jesus has, a, has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let's put all that together as our priest, our mediator, our ransom, the final solution of our sin. Jesus has gone ahead and he's preparing a place for us, a pure, amazing place, new creation. The priest has gone ahead representing us, interceding for us. And someday, heaven and earth will be remarried. We see that at the end of, of the Bible. That is our hope. The priest of heaven and earth, new creation, bringing things back together, all things made new. And this is really good news. Because, because of Jesus and his pure sacrificial work, we have access to God. All right? We guys are hanging here through all of this, here's, here's some really good points here. The curtain was torn the day that Jesus died. It tore from top to bottom, right? The curtain in the temple, it tore on Good Friday. Meaning we have access to God through faith, through Jesus. We, we get to hang out with God anytime, any place. Jesus has reconciled us back. God. And there's more. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit. God has given His Holy Spirit to us. Made us alive in Him. Uh, the Apostle Peter calls Jesus the living stone. Capital L, capital S. Jesus is the living stone. And Jesus makes us 
living stones. That's First Peter chapter 2. N.T. Wright puts it this way, Jesus himself is the true temple, then by extension, as it were, those gifted with his spirit become in themselves living temples. It's us. We're the temple of God here. The living building of God. New creations. Trying to figure this out. Walking with Jesus. We are new creations in Christ. We have the presence of God in our heart. We, we pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. But we don't just pray. We get to join in God's big reconciliation project. Now, what if we fail to fully accept and believe the grace of purity that comes from Jesus and the relational presence that we attain with God. Okay, what if we fail to believe that? Fail, fail to believe that fully? I want you to hear the, the good news today. I want to give you three key things to consider and believe. I want to encourage you all today to have faith, to, to keep believing in Jesus' permanent atoning sacrifice. Meaning, don't try to add to it. Jesus has got you covered. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus has you covered. Believe in Christ and you are reconciled with God. When you feel like you have to add to it, when you feel like you have to work, or perhaps if you feel like you have to hide or just let enough time pass before, you know, things start to feel right. You know, you just hide or wait, and then, okay, eventually my, my mistakes are going to be covered. You know, that's proof right there that you're not fully believing in Jesus' sacrifice. Sinner, you get to go to the cross. Saint, you get to go to the cross. Your mistakes do not make you an orphan anymore. The cross isn't something you climb. The cross is a place where things die. And you know what? The good news is your sins have already been like crucified. We've been crucified with Christ. So we go, we confess, which means we we own up. To confess means, yep, yep, God, I'm in alignment with, with what you're saying. I confess my sins. I'm repenting. A change in heart, head and heart that leads to a change in behavior. And I'm going to believe in this good news. That the, the blood of Jesus is not coagulated. It, it's still running. The lifeblood of Jesus is still there. Still there, covering us. Covering us. Covering us. Hear the good news. I, I want to encourage you today to keep believing that you are clean in Christ. Okay? Christ has made the real you uncorrupted. And so sure, we'll make mistakes. So it's about quickening that, that reaction time to, to go to the cross. Be like, Jesus, yep, here it is. I did it again. Would you wash me clean? And so if shame and guilt creep around and tell you that you're damaged goods, I want you to hear that there's a bigger gospel that you're not quite believing. So I want you to hear this, this bigger gospel. That God does not see you as tainted. Okay? You're not covered in mud. In, in Christ, you are washed clean. 
We dressed up in white. And I want to encourage you, church, to keep believing that you can enjoy God's presence. To embrace the truth that in Jesus we are reconciled back to God. Okay? We are invited to seek out this relational presence of God. We don't need to go to Jerusalem or wherever the tabernacle might be. Like, no, no, no. Like, we have access to God right now. And so, absolutely, you're invited to pray and to worship and read the Bible. Go out and enjoy creation. Go to a park. Go down to the Wissahick and hang out in God's creation and enjoy His presence there. How do you enjoy God's presence? Or did somebody tell you that God is far? That God doesn't care? That God is asleep? That God's too busy for you? Maybe you think, hey, I don't deserve God's presence. I, this, this presence, this, this glory, this peace, I don't deserve that. I apologize. The gospel has been misrepresented to you. Jesus has been misrepresented to you. Because Jesus has already said yes to you. Jesus has said yes to you. He wants to know you. So part of that wrestling is, we need to get out of the way so that God can increase in our life, so that we can enjoy that presence. Again, the, the cross isn't something you climb. It's a place where things die. Jesus said, a grain of wheat, a, a kernel of, of wheat, it's going to fall to the ground, and it's going to die. And it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, if it gets buried up in that dirt, it's actually going to grow and produce many seeds. Okay? New life sprouts on the other side of death. Selfishness, the, the selfish life. We want that to get out of the way so that spirit life can increase in dynamic ways. So know it to be true, dear church, that Jesus' atonement, his covering, it's permanent for you. Believe that you are clean in Christ. And believe that you can enjoy God's presence. And it's found through Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, let me kind of place all of this in context of, of community. But first, let me kind of just share something personally. There are times, you know, I struggle with the feeling of like inadequacy. I lack. And even, you know, after, after studying this priestly, priestly Christology that's in the Bible, the, the, the priestly Christology, the study of Christ in Hebrews, and what it means that Jesus' purity is my victory, after studying all of this and being like, wow! But then it's like, oh, you know, I, I see the gap in my own belief. But you know what? One of the best helps is when a member of the spirit community speaks truth into my life. Reminds me who I am. Reminds me who God is. And so, church, when a brother or sister speaks lies about themselves, perhaps constantly puts them down. When a brother or sister is just kind of 
speaking it out and, and believes negative things about themselves with graciousness and kindness, with sensitivity. We don't need to look for new answers, but simply apply the gospel answer that we already know and be able to apply that to their situation. Speak life to them. Build them up. Build them out. Encourage them. Speak life and truth to them. Remind them who God is. Remind them who they are. Remind them of the gospel. There's power in the gospel. So with that, I invite everyone to come back next Sunday. Lord willing, we are going to be talking about the power of the gospel. So let me just close with, uh, with words from Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Plymouth Meetings Church, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled clean to cleanse us from the, guilt, from, from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching.